Hosea chapter 14. Tonight we're going to tackle, to face our giant of backsliding. Both of these um, video clips, of course, have uh, been talking about deconversion. I got saved in, on April 27, 1980. I've never heard a terminology called deconversion until about three years ago. Hosea chapter 14. Uh, would you stand with me, please, if you're willing and you're able? Hosea chapter 14. We're going to read the whole chapter of nine verses. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Ashur shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the Jew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him, and I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise, and, be, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but that transgressors shall fall therein. Beloved, this is, of course, a prophecy towards the nation of Israel, and the fulfillment of this is yet to come in the days of the tribulation period. And of course, the prophet Hosea here is speaking to the nation of Israel. But indeed, for us this evening, there are uh, parts and principles in this passage that we can apply in our lives. And I want to take you to this matter about backsliding. And I trust that after tonight, uh, you will... Never consider leaving the Lord after you found him. Father, thank you once again for this time. Thank you that we could get gathered here to worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, I pray, Father, that you'll check our hearts right here, right now. You know what's going in there. We can pretend... Uh, in so, so many ways. We can put a facade. But Father, there's no hiding from you. You know every fiber of our being. Tonight I seek to be a blessing to your people. As a watchman to perform my role. To warn. To care. Father, we live in a day where a plenty of people 
are deconverting from Christianity. That is, of course, if they've had it to begin with. Father, I pray now that as we look to your word, I pray, Lord, for unction and power from the Holy Spirit. Let your people see your word through me tonight. And I pray that your will and way be accomplished in us. We do ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The University of Chicago, and in coordination with McCrindle Research in New South Wales, reported that some 29% of Australians had stopped being religious and only 4% had taken off belief, resulting in a massive gap of 25%. Folks, I really am not sure why after experiencing the forgiveness of sin, the love of Christ, and the joy of salvation, I don't understand why anyone would want to go back to their old ways and effectively deconvert from their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, while I don't understand that, clearly some have felt the need to do so. And I'm sure there are more reasons than one why they did and for others are considering of doing so. The words backslide or backsliding were never used in the New Testament. But the sentiment and the incidence of it is found in the New. However, in the Old Testament, the word has been used some 17 times. The Bible records for us times where God's people have fallen into spiritual decline and disobedience. Jeremiah chapter 3 verses 12 to 14 is an example of that. And you can read that through in your own time. Here in our text and again in chapter 11 uh, verse 7. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the most high, none at all would exalt him. Psalm 78, verses 10 to 11, They kept not the covenant of God, and refused to walk in His law, and forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. The disciples, they themselves were guilty of not only backsliding, they were guilty of deserting the Lord, at his arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? Matthew 26, 55 to 56. In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves forth to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid hold, not hold of me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Do not miss it. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. What about the thousands that were fed by the Lord Jesus? When the Lord taught them about him being the bread of life, and how he rebuked them that they only come and seek him because they can get something out of him. But not really to believe in him. The Bible said, John six sixty six. from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Why are you here tonight, beloved? Why do you come to this church? Do you come for the food? Do you come for the fellowship? Do you come for the friendships? I pray that you come to this place for to worship 
the Lord. That should be the reason why you come. If you're coming for any other reason than that, then you should look into the mirror. We come to this place for first and foremost to worship the Lord. We don't come here for the take, beloved. We come to give. Firstly, of ourselves to the Lord. And then to others. To be an encouragement and not a discouragement. To be a burden bearer. Not to become a burden. To be part of the solution, not the source. Of the problem. That's why we come. We come for him. Not for us. How about the church at Ephesus? Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. Nevertheless the Lord said. I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left. Thy first love. Notice it didn't say lost. They left their first love. What about some whom we call the heroes of the, of the faith? The likes of Samson. The likes of David. The likes of Solomon. The likes of Jonah, Peter. What about Demas? Whom Paul named as one of those who hath forsaken him having loved this present world and his depart. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. And how about us? Have we left our first love? Whereas before we would not go out of our house without reading his word. And praying, communing in him daily, dedicate our day to him. And going to the church is not a chore, but of excitement. And listening to the preaching and applying the lessons learned was a yearning desire. What's happened? Could it be, without even knowing it, you are drifting? You're on your way to spiritual decline, leading to disobedience. And if you keep on going, if you keep on going, it will take you down the road of deconversion. Like I said last Sunday morning, according to Barna Research Group and Answers in Genesis, their research revealed many have remained in church, in body, but in spirit, they've already left and are long gone. I hope this is not you tonight, here in body, but you'd rather not to be here. You know, for a pastor, I, I think some people don't really understand that. Why, why, why do you always want people to go to church? Why can't you be satisfied that they're watching online? And um, well, why do you want to see them? Because they're the flock. I'd like to see them because I want to have an exchange with them. I want to hear from them how we can pray for them. I want to hear from them what we can do. I want to hear from them what God is doing in their life. 
You see, I, I have trouble understanding how many people have got so many thousands of followers. And not knowing who they are. Pastoring and pastoral care is investment of time. It's an interaction. You see, beloved, the prophet Hosea cried unto the nation, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. And I'm crying out unto you this evening, return unto the Lord, if you're backsliding. You that are watching me, if you're backsliding, and you're on the way, return unto the Lord. Backsliding is a process, a gradual process. No one wakes up one day and says, today I'm going to backslide. That is just not the case. So what was or were the causes of Israel's and by application believers backsliding? Why did Israel, and again, why do believers go astray? Firstly, could there have been superficial rather than real or genuine consecration? Turn to chapter 6 of Hosea. Here in verse 4. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew, it goeth away. What happens to the morning cloud? And the Jew, once the sun goes up, it disappears, right? It was temporary. Just like the dew in the morning. They're lovely. They look, they look like little jewels uh, on, the, on the, the leaves of plants. They're lovely to look at, but not lasting. God said Israel was just like that. The morning fog. They were shallow and superficial. Short term and short lived. Their religion looks good. The ceremonies and the sacrifices were regularly uh, offered as per schedule. In the Jewish calendar you can find their worship. And they are performed to the T. But you know as well as I do that attending is not the same as worshiping. The externals are not necessarily the same as what's happening internally. Israel kept up with the appearances, if you like, but their actions just didn't add up. Is that us tonight? You see, we can easily drift into the mechanics of worship service. You stand, we sing, we pray, we take the offering, we sit there, the pastor preaches, we say amen, we go to... Uh, church uh, uh, morning tea we say hi and hello have fellowship we go home and nothing has changed in our lives as believers mechanical worship we can easily drift into that you know what people wouldn't know we can keep up with the Appearances. 
we can easily come and sing the hymns, but really not sing it to and for His praise. And just like Israel, we can maintain a facade, but not real faithfulness to Him. Secondly, Israel was not only superficial in their consecration. We find that they were also partial. They were half-baked, if you like, with their sanctification or their surrender to the Lord. And no, I am not talking about lordship salvation when I say this. Have you ever tried cooking chicken, roasting a chicken in an oven? Whilst it looked good on the outside, the skin is brown, and uh, it looks plump and all of that, every indication that it's done, and then you take it out, out of the oven, you cut it open, and there's blood on it. And how disappointed you are. Chicken is undone. Half cooked. And it happens to the same with cakes. Looks good on the outside. You slice it and it's floury still inside. Now turn to chapter 7 this time with me please. Hosea chapter 7 verse 8. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. A cake not turned, meaning undone. The metaphor here is a cake cooked on a flat grill. You see, they didn't have Westinghouse oven back days or a milli or whatever, you see. It was cooked on a flat grill and it's burnt on one side but raw on the other. It wasn't turned. You see, Israel's sanctification or submission to God, submission to God's sanctification process was half done. They were overdone on rituals, on ceremonies, the pomp and all of that. You, you see that in Israel today. They wear special clothes. They bubble along on the western wall and into the uh, rooms. Uh, they have all the, the, the looks of a, of a good religion. Lots of sacrifices and all, but very little in sanctification. Can I say this in love? Is it possible that we are or can be half-cooked Christians? Imbalanced? Very heavy, heavy going on doctrine, but very light on Christian living. We fill our heads with knowledge, but we seldom empty it with service and or building up others. See, when there's an input, there needs to be an output. Be careful, beloved. Paul warned the believers at Corinth in their legalism. He said, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if a man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. I say it again. The Christian life is both input and output. What we learn, we practice. What we receive, we give. Our doctrines must match our deeds. Sadly, many believers are strong in Bible knowledge, but very weak on spiritual grace. Some are strong for the fundamentals, but weak 
in Christian love. Some are soft-spoken, but violent in temper. We tend to cultivate our strong points, don't we? And neglect our weak points. But the comfort, beloved, is the Lord is not done cooking. Isn't that good? He's not done cooking. The burners are still on. He's not that cooking, done cooking in his refining fire is continuing to burn. He will turn us upside down as often as he needed to do to make sure that we don't end up half cooked or half undone. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, remember? He that hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.2, Philippians 1.6 Beloved, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And while He is not here with us in the flesh, this Word is here. It's full, not just of His truth, but also of His grace. John 1.14, that's what it says. Get your balance right, Christian. Do not be a half-baked, half-cooked Christian. Submit yourself willingly to the sanctification of the Spirit within you. Thirdly, Israel, in their spiritual decline, which led to outright disobedience, was that they were incomplete in their separation. Incomplete in their separation. Chapter 4, this time please, in Hosea. Verse 16. And uh, 17. For Israel slideth back as a backsliding haifa. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Hmm. Please don't misunderstand this. God did not say leave Ephraim alone as in allowed him to continue in his idolatry. No. God warned Judah, Israel, to leave Ephraim alone and not follow him in his idolatry. That's what's the meaning of that verse. And this is what Paul said as one of those that Thus saith the Lord moment. You see, we can, we can sometimes uh, stand on our preferences and our understanding of the scriptures and our persuasions. That's, that's fine. Everyone is entitled to, to his own doctrine. That, that's, that's okay. But when the scripture says, Thus saith the Lord, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what the Lord says that we should do. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's one of those thus saith the Lord moments. Time after time, Example after example, the Lord has given us many warnings in the word. Think of Lot, who pitched his tent towards Sodom. That's how it started. And we read later in the word, he ended up being one of the rulers in the city. His moral and spiritual decline went rock bottom when he was willing to give her daughters away to be abused and ravished by lewd men of the city. 
I'll say it again. I have three daughters and I love them dearly. I cannot imagine a father who would offer his own daughters. But that's how he came down to. First, he just pitched his tent towards Sodom. And later on, he ended up being one of the rulers in the city. Be careful. What about Solomon? This man who was granted wisdom by the Lord, yet did not use it, for the scriptures record him as loving strange women and turned his heart and went after other gods, small g. And yes, Demas, who loved this present world and left the ministry. You know, beloved, this is Satan's age-old strategy. He tempts us to be conformed to the world and not be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, verse 2. Satan is the master of that saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Sadly, Many believers fall prey to the flesh and the devil and consequently end up becoming ex-evangelicals. I'd like to see the photo of that girl when she was a Christian. I'd like to see old photos when she was in church. You see, many deconverts because by their own admission, they do not leave what and how a Christian should be living. And consequently, they lose their joy. They lose their testimony, their witness, and indeed the power. Their light is hidden under a bushel, barely flickering until... It completely dissipates into the darkness. I say it again. Israel's backsliding and by application our backsliding did not, does not happen instantly. It starts with a superficial consecration, a partial submission to uh, the Lord's consecration, an incomplete separation from the world, and fourthly, unconscious deterioration. Unconscious deterioration. Back to chapter 7 of the prophet Hosea. A beautiful book, by the way, if you would study it. And uh, I, I recommend it for you. It's not a long book. We saw here in verse 8, Ephraim being a cake not turned. Notice now verse, uh, verse 9. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. Twice into the one verse, talk about the principle of biblical repetition. Now, those of you who are with me in uh, methods of Bible study, uh, I hope you've learned that when the Bible repeats a word or a principle, pay attention. Because the inspired word is wanting us to know and pay attention of what was repeated. And here's one of those. He knoweth not. Ephraim's spiritual decline was due to his unholy alliance, verse 8. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people which led to gross idolatry, chapter 4, verse 12. That normally is the case with backsliding, beloved. That joining in rather than separating from. One becomes desensitized. Oh, this is not too bad. 
we become slowly conditioned into accepting and allow for compromises until we, we ourselves embrace as our own way now of the life and the lifestyle. Ephraim, due to his unholy alliances, didn't even know that she was spiritually declining. And oh, how easy it is for you and me to do as well. I don't know if you remember part of my testimony. Like I said, I got saved April 27, 1980 in one of the youth meetings. I was so fired up uh, to the Lord, Phil. I attended every Bible study. I was at church morning, evening, Wednesday. Uh, I even joined the choir and they allowed me. Can you believe that? I was so at it. I devoured my brand new King James Version Bible. I was underlining verses. I had um, different colors. Uh, I stick to my morning and night devotions. I did everything. After a while, though, became familiar. It's just what you do. After a while, I thought, you know, maybe I should relax it a bit. Maybe this this is too full on. I came to university. Things were happening in my my life then. Um, I needed to maintain a, a certain grade level, otherwise I'll lose my scholarship and it's all over after that. So I started missing church. I was rationalized. I needed to study. I needed to get good marks. And so I would miss going to church. I'd miss Bible studies. I'd miss fellowships. Back then, there is no online, you see. You miss it, you miss it. Uh, I started not attending youth group and... Um, Youth leaders were contacting me, and you know I'm just busy. I'm 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 okay. I'll I'll see you next time. The next time became farther and farther and in between. To the point that I went back to my old ways. You know the Lord is gracious. I have a friend Perry. Uh, he used to be my classmate in elementary school. We ended up. Um, in the same university. I was in the School of Engineering. He was with architecture. And I didn't know he was observing me from a distance. That's Manny. I know him. You know what he did one of those days? Gave me a gospel track. I was looking this gospel track. It was my wake-up call. Brother John. The life that I was living, the manifestations of my being is no longer uh, becoming of a Christian. I have lived so far down the line that this friend thought uh, I was pagan and I was not a believer. The grace of God. And a person who was willing to go out there and distribute gospel truth. Never estimate what the power of those gospel trucks will do. Because it changed my backslidden life and I never look back ever. I never ended up going back to that church in Taft Avenue in Manila. I came to my wife's church and that's where I've exercised my gifts and grew again in the Lord. And of course, Cherry was so happy I came to church. Jokes aside, I drifted. 
and I didn't even know it. I think we get the point that backsliding, it starts so subtle that many are not even aware that they are already backsliding. Somebody said that the collapse in the Christian life is not a blowout. It usually starts as a leak. I think we uh, heard of the, the negatives, right? It's becoming too heavy. I think we get the point. We've heard of the bad stuff. Let me now give you the good stuff. I have to give you the bad stuff first, you see, to, to get the point across. Uh, how do we face up to this giant? How do we uh, beat uh, this matter of uh, backsliding? How do we not become a casualty? And again, how do we not become an ex-evangelical? Young people, please listen to me. Uh, listen to me, please. This is really for, for you. What were the cure for Israel's spiritual correction? And again, by application, how do we cure our backsliding? Remember these three R's. I borrowed this from someone. Return, repent, renounce. Return, repent, renounce. Back in our text here in uh, chapter 14 of Hosea, uh, in verse 1, um, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. In other words, the way forward from backsliding is backwards. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? The way forward in backsliding is backwards. What do I mean by that? In the case of the prodigal son going back home to his father and the prodigal Christian is to go back to his father. I'd like to point out that one of the misnomers out there about backsliding are those Christians who have lost their way. Those that we now uh, see in the video. Those that have totally flipped uh, and totally turned their back uh, in, in the faith. Um, those are what we deem as backslidden Christians. My dear ones, you could be backslidden and still be in church. You don't necessarily have to be in the pig pen eating pig's food to be backslidden in the faith. Has materialism gotten hold of you? Have you succumbed to worldly pressures and pleasures in your choices of fashions and companions? Have you bought in into this living your life to the fullest for tomorrow, tomorrow you die? Have you subscribed to the lies of evolution, equality, and entertainment? Have you now softened your standards regarding inclusion versus separation? I mean, biblical separation here. Now, if you answered yes to these, you're on your way. If you haven't already. And you haven't even left your father's estate. I wonder frankly. How you would do. When you leave your father's estate. I've seen this movie before. Jerry and I have been the youth group coordinator for this church for some 10 years. And they all start the same. They come. They participate. Once they became independent, we lost. We used to struggle with that. What we did we do wrong. I was with Hamrick, Positive Action for Christ, Joshua. I got all the materials, the curriculum. We would do everything that we can to get these people, young people, in. 
when they were old enough to make their own choices, they've left. Praise God, some are still in church. Some are barely in church. And some are outright pagans. You just have to look on their Instagram, on their Facebook. And you wouldn't think that those were the people that used to run and kick some fluffy ball and were happy with it. Cast your eyes on verse 4, chapter 14, verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned, turneth away from him. Folks, we do not need to remain backslid. We must return unto the Lord. We must return unto the Lord for healing, for love, for, for His forgiveness, for His grace, and for His mercy. Now, how do we face our giant of backsliding? Secondly, we repent. Again, back in our text in verse 2, uh, take with you words and turn to the Lord. Repentance is turning. Repentance is doing a 180. Repentance is turning away from sin to the Savior. A change of mind that leads to a change of life. Now people are sometimes funny about this word and doctrine of repentance. And they rip this thing apart and they try to spell it and this, that and try to determine. Look beloved, repentance is simply that. It's the turning away. You're going this way into sin. You're going to turn back and go to the Savior. That's all that there is to it. It's not complicated. And yet people complicate it. Oh, beloved. Notice this, this was not some empty confession. This was an outpouring from brokenness and a contrite heart. You see, beloved, I think sometimes we forget that when we sin... When we backslide, we also break the heart of God. We don't only break the hearts of our parents. We don't only break the hearts of those that loved us and, 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 and are broken to see us backsliding. Most of all, we break the heart of God. Just turn to chapter 6, verse 4, very quickly. Chapter 6, verse 4. Like I said, it's a, it's a good book. Here in verse 4, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew, it goeth away. Now, in spite of that, turn with me to chapter 11, verse 8. Now, remember, uh, their, uh, sanctification, their consecration was uh, temporary. Here in verse uh, uh, chapter 11 and verse 8. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as an Adma? How shall I set thee as Seboim? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. Understand, beloved. Israel is like Goma. Prostituted herself. Play the harlot to other men, to other gods. Think about you that are married. If your own wife or husband has another relationship on the side, how would you feel? How violated and hurt would you be? That is what has happened to Israel. And this is what they did unto the Lord their God. And so to be cured of their backsliding, they needed to repent. 
Uh, and this is what I say to those who downplay repentance. Repentance is needed. One cannot continue to claim that they are of Christ and continue to commit sin. Uh, a Christian is a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. The Bible says all things are become new. The indwelling Holy Spirit cannot coexist with the spirit of the devil in a born-again Christian man. Either he is born again or he is not. One cannot just make a profession without a possession. Psalm 38 verse 18, For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. That is genuine repentance. One cannot keep on saying sorry for sin only to do it over and over and over and over again. Particularly if the same sin. You want to be cured of backsliding? Then return unto the Lord. Repent of your sins and thirdly as we close, renounce or forsake your sin. You see, beloved, Israel's spiritual decline started uh, with compromise. By the time Hosea prophesied, uh, Israel is well and truly entangled with unholy alliances, unholy union with ungodly people. Amen. They have aligned themselves with the Assyrians. Do you know who the Assyrians are in the Bible? The Assyrians were the inhabitants of a country that became a mighty empire dominating the biblical Middle East from the 9th to the 7th century BC. They conquered an area that comprises what is now Iraq, Syria, Jordan, and Lebanon. One writing described the Assyrians as the terrorists of the ancient world. Wow, big call. One writer historian described the Assyrian armies as those that cut off the limbs of their enemies, gouged out their eyes, and then left those poor victims to roam around. And those poor people serve as a living reminder of the Assyrians' cruelty. Assyrians love mass executions and impalement. I didn't understand what that word until this week. That is, they place their captives' bodies under the reeves of large stakes, okay? Uh, and, and, this is, and, and that spike uh, protrude deeper and deeper into the body. The slow death was terrifying, and to the Assyrians, that is one of the ways they show their power. They intentionally line these people up and they showcase their brutality as part of the psychological warfare. Can you imagine that? Stakes are lined up and then they would put their bodies like that until they die. And that is after them gouging people's eyes and dismembering them and just let them roam. Assyrians. And they are the people God's people align themselves with. I could go on and go on, but it's really gross of what they do to the countries that they conquer. They were barbarians, really. And these are the kinds of people that Israel's, Israelites align themselves with, including the worship of their gods. Israel, rather than depending upon their god, Chapter 7, verse 11 tells us, Ephraim also is like a silly dog without a heart. That means without sense. They call to Egypt, they call to Assyria, rather than going to God. Now, isn't Egypt the place that God delivered them from? And yet these people called back to Egypt for their horses and their chariots, and they can't remember that God parted the Red Sea for them. And they were being chased by horses and chariots. And they would trust the horses and chariots. That's what backsliding does. We forget God. 
and what he did and what he does and that what he will continue to do. What has occurred was that because they were not willing to trust their God who time and again provided and protected them, they trusted instead Egypt and Assyria. What was theocracy, worshipping one God, the only Yehovah became multiplicity of God, small g, gods, and they have become idolaters, idolaters of the worst kind and broke the first and second of the Ten Commandments. What are those? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not bow in any. They broke it. My dear ones, the cure for Israel's backsliding, the cure for our own backsliding is to return unto the Lord, to repent of our sinfulness, and indeed to renounce our unholy alliances. After this, I'm done. Robert Robinson, author of the hymn, Come Thou Fount, lost his happy communion with the Savior he once enjoyed. Over the years of his spiritual decline, he wandered back into the paths of sin. As a result, he became deeply troubled in spirit. Hoping to relieve his mind, he decided to travel, and in his journeys, he met a young lady who had been reading about hymns. She asked him what he thought of a hymn that she has been reading. To Robinson's astonishment, he found it to be none other than his own hymn, Come Thou Found. He tried to evade her question, but she continued to press him for a response. Robert Robinson started weeping and said, I am the man who wrote the hymn many years ago. I'd give anything to experience again the joy I knew them, end of quote. His lady friend, surprised of what he just, she just found out, reminded Robinson of the streams of mercy in his hymn still flows. Robinson, deeply touched, turned his wandering heart to the Lord and was restored back into full fellowship with his Lord. Folks, backsliding the giant of backsliding is serious and yet so common. Common in the days of old and still common in the days of our day, of the days of us. Have you? Or are you backsliding? Right now? Perhaps not externally, but internally. Return unto the Lord, my dear one. Repent of your sin. Renounce of your unholy alliances. Israel as a nation and as a people of God are backsliding at the moment. But the time will come that God will heal their backsliding, like I said, during the tribulation period. You, on the other hand, can be healed of your backsliding. Now. As God promised Israel, he promised you to be healed of your backsliding, to be loved freely, for his anger is but for a moment, and his mercy endureth forever. Indeed, as this hymn writer says, the Lord's streams of mercy never ceases. The giant of backsliding. Slay it. And you and I can. Return, repent, renounce. Father, thank you for this time. Oh, at one point in time, dear God, we have gone path to that road back to sin. We have backslidden. In so many ways, we have left you, indeed, our first love. 
We praise you, dear God, because we are indeed your genuine, born-again believer that you have drawn, you have enlightened, you have redeemed. And because you love us, you chastised us. Sure, we may have had some ups and downs and twists and turns. You have turned us even upside down to get our attention. But here we are many years later and we're back and restored into full fellowship with you. Praise you for all of that. Praise you for your long-suffering. Praise you for your patience. But there are so many today that are backsliding, thinking that there is a greener pasture outside the walls of their church. Young people rebelling against the parents, thinking that they can go it alone, that if they would just be left alone, that they'll be fine. Oh, dear God, we know that that is not the case. For we ourselves been there and done that. Oh, how I pray that our church would so be reminded yet anew of the danger of backsliding and that indeed we would return unto you, repent of our sin, and renounce of our unholy alliances. We give you the praise and indeed the thanks. We ask it in Jesus' name.